long drive back. I'm Ashley. I'm Brian. And welcome to our new podcast called The Ash and Brian Show. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> we need to get you back on soon. Uh, Brian and I, obviously, we spend a lot of time together because he's my husband. And we are leaving San Francisco and we are stuck in traffic. So what better time than now to record? So we're just going to update you on how our trip to San Francisco went. You want to start it off, Brian? Well, I'd like to start it off by letting everybody know that at breakfast this morning, I asked Ashley about, you know, we've had a lot of food experiences. What was your favorite part? And she looked at me straight face and was like, you should save that recording of the podcast later. So every conversation now, is we're just going to have a mic so that you guys can hear what goes on behind the scenes of our relationship. I think, huh, I I may be biased, but I feel like we're, we're pretty entertaining. It is true. Nobody is as entertained by you as you. Okay. Um, so... So, if you watched my stories at all on Instagram, uh, we're just going to dive deep in, into our whole experience. So, driving down... <laughs> we're also planning on possibly discussing goal setting. Uh, oh, a, I guess, I guess important. You, you did say that uh, in the, at the end of the last one that you wanted to talk about that. Uh, but I, I, I know that you want to start by giving everybody a little recap of San Francisco. Okay, what what Brian said. So yes, I want to recap our two days spent in San Francisco. Brian and I just celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary. Um, can I just talk about the story of us? Do you guys want to know the story of us? <laughs> um, okay, so Brian and I, we met in the library. Yes, not the library what a club is called to be cool but legit library like surrounded by books and this was back at UC Davis so we've been together now for 16 years and um, he was never supposed to be a long-term thing I had just ended a very long-term relationship and I was always that girl that had a boyfriend a long-term boyfriend and um, so he was supposed to just be, you know, a fling. In fact, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you all the details. In fact, when I first, when I, when we first started dating, the people who knew Brian, the people who went to high school with Brian, because we met. Brian was a second year at Davis. I'm a little older. Yes, I'm a cougar. I am. A, I was a third year at Davis, and everyone who knew him basically said, Ashley what are you doing you're going to get your heart broken he's never been with a girl for longer than two weeks so i was like no i'm good i don't want a long-term relationship i just got out of one if anything he'll just be like a couple weeks or no more than a summer my summer fling guys my summer fling that has lasted 16 years i don't know how i'm supposed to respond to that <laughs> just made me sound like an asshole he was he really was an asshole though like well he still is actually. i was 19 you, oh my gosh we have so many stories i could like I if, if i 19. if i see you in person let me like 
just just remind me to tell you some behind the scenes stories of <laughs> of when we first started dating. Um, it, and, and, yeah, and I was nineteen, bro, bro. Okay, so moving anyways, moving on. We we celebrated our anniversary in um, San Francisco. We stayed at the Four Seasons, and it was really nice. We have never stayed at the Four Seasons Resort before, and it was beautiful, and the service was impeccable. So if you are looking to indulge in the city, I absolutely recommend Four Seasons. Um, Four Seasons, if you're listening to this, we would love to be an affiliate. (laughs) I'm just trying to to start my travel vlog, like, right now. (laughs) One other thing to learn from the Four Seasons, besides that it's amazing and you have a great experience, uh, is looking at it from the business owner perspective. Uh, you talked about all of the details and all of the experiences. Um, you know, everything from when you call down to order room service or to you know get an extra pillow, uh, they answer the phone. Uh, hello, Mr. Hovis. Now, granted, could have been better. They could have said hello, Doctor Hovis, um, but they didn't. But they, you know, those those small things uh, I think add up to make uh, the experience so much more pleasant because all it's all the little things that uh, you know end up making that experience feel so much more enriched uh, and to go off of that we were just um, eating breakfast this morning at the Four Seasons and um, the server kept calling me madam and it felt so nice I want everyone to call me madam I guess I don't know yeah so f- kudos to you Four Seasons Please sponsor our next trip. We would love to stay at one of your properties again. So, um, anyways, we we ate a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like I, none of my clothes are fitting. Um, thank goodness for Sphinx, and it was just so much food and so much good food. I promise you, we're gonna have some content for you that you can take away some information from. But I just want to talk to you about my food for a second. Um, so we started off at Coquetta. Coquetta is a restaurant by Michael Chirello. He started off, well, he didn't start off, but he was a chef on Food Network before Food Network. I don't even, we don't have t- t- TV anymore, so I don't know who still is on Food Network. But anyways, Michael Chirello he um he's based out of napa he has a restaurant in yountville called bodega and he opened up coquetta like five years ago no ideas um it's it was so good like spanish tapas um they have the best gin and tonics so if you are in the city make sure to order like the what what was yours called it was their basic, it their, was their house one. Their house one, which was so not basic. It had like an orchid in it. It was so beautiful. Um, and then we had an omakase dinner at at this place that Brian's cousin had recommended. Brian's cousin lives in the city, and she doesn't have any kids. She's still young. Um, way and, cooler than us. What? She's way cooler than us. She's She's way cooler than us. So we asked her, like, hey, when we saw her over Christmas, we told her we were going to the city, and we also asked her for some recommendations for food, and she recommended this place called Robin. Now, Robin is one of those um, hip, 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 (laughs) hooray, hip (laughs) restaurants that is um, Japanese fusion, 
and uh, fortunately Brian and I were able to score a last minute reservation and um, it did not disappoint we got dropped off at the building that has no name because you know all the cool restaurants have no names on the doors um, it's just a little logo that's like neon and you have to look for it inside the restaurant because there's no name there's no menu guys no name no menu it's an omakase so it's chef's choice and the prices range from $89 to $189 which is quite a big range and you literally have no idea what the differences in those different prices mean so our server basically said uh, yeah it ranges from this to this I recommend the 140 we're like okay we'll we'll do whatever you recommend because we don't we don't we don't know any better and um, Brian you want to talk about it <laughs> no it's it's an interesting thing right there's no menu there's no you can't even you can't know what to expect you can't have any basis of comparison it's um, you know you show up and you just trust that they're going to provide you a good experience and that they're not going to rip you off because <laughs> you have no idea how much to expect so they could literally uh, cut keep out a couple of courses and you wouldn't know or add on a couple of courses and you wouldn't know either so um, yeah they ha but they did have a drink menu so. there was a drink menu yeah, so the name is it's called Robin. Super dark restaurant, super trendy, and um, they were playing hip hop, like like f bombs galore. No, and was, I think last night you said gangster rap. <laughs> so old. They were playing hardcore gangster rap. Um, <laughs> so so let's flash back sixteen years one more time. Ashley was actually a hip-hop dancer, believe it or not. True story. Like, a legitimate hip-hop dancer that traveled around, uh, was in competitions. Uh, and last night, she said, they were playing gangster rap. <laughs> I am a mom now. It, it's amazing. That does that feels like lifetimes ago. Um, but the, the meal was fantastic. Like, it was the best omakase we've eaten, period. I mean, we've only eaten probably two other omakases, but it was so good. Like, I'm salivating thinking about our meals. Like, we had a course that was um, a 30-day aged Wagyu beef with foie gras snow sprinkled over the top. We had this ramen dish with shaved truffle. Like, every, every, every bite of nigiri was sublime. That's such a, I just, uh, they had this one um, salmon, it was, it like, it was so good guys, I didn't, I didn't even want to drink my beverage after I finished the bite, because I didn't want to wash it away. <laughs> now, that salmon was, I think, one of my favorite pieces, but I mean, not to be outdone by the Wagyu Wache foie gras, or foie gras snow, but... Yeah. The, that, that salmon was pretty fantastic um, and then we followed it up by you know doing a little bit more of a tour and then we ended up at last night at Gary Denko which is a 
two or three Michelin starred restaurant. Um, I think it probably depends on the year how many stars they have, but a very well respected, you know, kind of San Francisco institution restaurant, which was kind of the exact opposite in um, in feel. Right, it felt like luxury dining. Um, you know, the you know service above all else, rather than cool and factor. Uh, very very uh, elegant dining room, but you know, kind of felt like you were in the early two thousands. I, I actually felt like I was on a cruise ship. Uh, the decor felt... I, he says early 2000s. I'm thinking 90s. I'm thinking... Like, it It doesn't look run down. It just does not look modern. modern by any means. And when you look around, it was definitely an older demographic versus the dinner at Robin, where, which... I, they were both the same price point. Like, same price point... And it was, you could not be polar opposites. Like the, the servers at Robin were wearing cool kicks and hoodies. And everyone um, either was dressed up or was so like wearing sweatpants. It was crazy. Yeah. Hold on. I want to go back to one thing at Robin. Because it, it still threw, threw me off. Because now we're going to compare the, the servers of the two. And we, did, we talked about there's no menu at Robin. So they had to come by and explain each dish. Um, and they would give, you know, three nigiri at a time. And so they'd be, try to explain each one, you know, and then you're going back and you're trying to remember what, remember what's in each dish. Um, and we did try it the first couple of times. And then we get to the second or the third and be like, wait, what is this again? Uh, and so we're like, I got this great idea. Let's record the server as they're dropping it off. So that way we know what the food is. Um, you know, I can play it back and we can, we can find out exactly what we're eating. And so we had that happen the first time, and the guy was great, and he explained everything, and actually used it because I was like, "Oh, what was that?" and played it back so that we could hear it. And then uh, a young lady dropped off some food, uh, and Ash was like, "Oh, do you mind if we record you so that way we can at least know what the food is?" And she's like, "Thanks for asking, but no." So I was like, "No, no, no! I don't want to record your face. I just want to record your voice with while looking at the food, so I know what it is." And she's like, "Oh, thank you so much for asking, but no." And then she walked away, and like left the food for like five minutes and you know eventually somebody came back and kindly you know explained to us what the food is um but it was really weird and in in the setting of talking about like the food was fantastic but a really 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 weird interaction um and honestly i mean especially contrasting it to gary danko which has the michelin stars and has you know this service idea down uh, it was a really strange interaction. Yeah, it, it was so strange. She actually went to the head chef, and she was like whispering to him. And obviously, we we knew we, she was talking about us. Um, so it, it's just weird. I I told Brian, I was like, well, maybe she's like in a witness protection <laughs> program, and someone somewhere could identify her voice. I have no idea, but um, trying not to judge, but that that really was an interesting. It's weird. It was weird. Yeah, I don't know. And she's like a super hip Gen Xer. <laughs> you know, Gen she has. Xer? Yeah. I don't think Gen X is right. What What year is Gen X? Gen X, I believe, is older than us. Oh. She's, what? She's a, She's like a. She's a millennial. She's millennial. Like, she's probably like late twenties. Oh, I have no idea. That's um, not Gen X. That's not Gen X. <laughs> I don't know how to classify anybody anymore. Um, so Gary Danko's, the food was so awesome. So 
on the left side of the menu, they were featuring his truffle, his truffle five course meal. And that was for like 200 and something dollars. And every, every dish obviously had truffle. Um, I think it was too much, like too much truffle, not the price point. Just, I, I want there to be some variation in flavor. Mind you also, we had eaten all day long. So we weren't actually hungry by the time we ate any of these meals. <laughs> so um, trying to have a five-course truffle dinner uh, after you, you know, I think we had snacks like three hours, two and a half hours before. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. So we ended up choosing. So on the right side of the menu, you can build your own tasting menu. You can do three, four, or five courses. And you don't have to necessarily choose one item per course. So the, the server said, basically, if, if you wanted five lobsters, we will serve you five lobsters. My gosh, how amazing is that? So, so many options. We chose, um, we chose a seafood risotto and like four different seafood dishes, two meat dishes, and we ended with a chocolate souffle. It was freaking so much food, guys. Like, I wanted to unfasten my um, my bra. Uh, and ladies, I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, when you're so full, like, it hurts in the middle. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> sorry, fellas, if, if, yeah, TMI. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we all want to loosen our belts, so we kind of get it. It's just a different location to make space. Yeah. So, Brian, which one did you prefer? The traditional Gary Danko or... The nouveau, the nouveau, um, what is it called? Robin. Nouveau Robin. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, it, they're so different, like you said, and and honestly, it's funny because I think we ended up spending more at Robin than we did at Gary Danko. Um, oh, let me finish. Oh, I, I want to go back to the service at Gary Danko because we 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 criticized the service at Robin, um, and the service at Gary Danko was pristine is exactly what you would expect out of a michelin starred restaurant uh down to the table next to us was having um like some flambéed banana foster uh that was being made next to them and they would do a table side and it's the night beautiful show as you would expect from a fine dining restaurant uh, and literally as the guy's plating it he puts the banana foster on and right as he starts reaching to put it down on the table another hand comes from behind the screen <laughs> and puts down the uh the other person on the table's dessert so that the table the the desserts landed on the table at the, the exact same, same time. time and this guy was nowhere to be seen i have no idea where he came from <laughs> Uh, but this hand came out of nowhere and and made for this spectacular display of service, right? Like the food was delivered exactly at the same time for both people sitting at the table. Um, and and that's, you know, that's service. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think it's a little, I mean, they're just, they're so different. Um, I, I, I liked the service aspect of the Gary Danko. I liked how, how much attention was paid to all the details. I also really liked hip hop playing while we were eating good, really, really amazing food. Um, okay. Just food wise, no, nothing else. Just the food, just food. I would probably go Robin. I, I would agree. Robin. Robin was so delicious. So if you're heading out or if you live in San Francisco, you should absolutely. I'm sure you've already eaten at Robin. 
if you're going to San Francisco, you need to eat at Robin. Um, and don't ask to record. <laughs> don't ask to record a um, a girl. Yeah, a yeah, a young lady. She has brown hair, glasses. <laughs> See, now she wishes I just recorded her because now I'm describing what she looks like. <laughs> All right, but so last night at dinner, we are having a nice enjoying our dinner trying not to um, rip our clothes uh, because we ate too much uh, <laughs> I was thinking it was going in a different direction <laughs> but um, we did talk a little bit about you know I mean I think what why is that so close to my face <laughs> I think what probably a lot of people would talk I don't know maybe they don't talk about this at a 10 year thing but like think about like you know a little bit of the nostalgia like you talked about we'd spent a lot of time looking at our our wedding photos in the morning um you made a beautiful video out of our wedding photos apple made a beautiful video <laughs> and apple loves us uh, by the way they're, they're not sponsors um apple if you want to be a sponsor but uh, but we you know got a little nostalgic and just started talking about how you know where things are 10 years in right and kind of what we had planned and where we had thought. I mean, and granted, when we got married, uh, Ash had just finished residency. I was still a medical student, um, you know, and so we've had a lot of things happen uh, in the past 10 years, you know, from, you know, traveling across the country. We were, I mean, we got married, we were living in Philadelphia at the time. Um, and now, you know, we're three kids, two practices, um, seven moves later. Uh, and kind of saying, okay, appreciating everything that's happened and also a little bit looking forward uh, to what, you know, what the next 10 years would look like. And, and maybe this will be a nice transition point. You see that? You see what I did there? Uh, into talking about a little bit of the goal setting. Because you did bring it up last time about how, you know, at the beginning of the year you set these goals for 2019 and, you know, you worked really hard and were able to, to hit some of them. And now you're trying to figure out how to... Um, transition those goals to next year and also and beyond right and so um i don't know when you want to take it from there yeah um that was a good transition brian kudos to you um i thought you were going to transition into service since we just spent 15 minutes talking about service and what service looks like in your offices but okay we can talk about goal setting <laughs> <laughs> okay, we could, I, I mean, we had said we were going to talk about goal okay, setting. Okay, so we'll talk about we'll talk about goal setting. We'll talk about goal setting. I have a journal. I have a start today journal that Brian gifted me last Christmas that I have not written in, except for two pages. I did start it. I just didn't continue it. Um, what do I want? What do I want for myself? What do I want for Smiling Co? What do I want for my life? So. I, thinking out loud here, I want to, my, my five-year goal is to practice clinical dentistry two days a week. Two days a week, I want to have a full-time either associate dentist or someone who wants to become a partner, they're full-time. I, I basically want to do my bigger cases. I want to see one patient a day and start them at seven in the morning, be done by noon. And then I want to see new patients in the afternoon. That is my ideal schedule. Like, how do I build that? Right now, what my practice looks like is 
we started off uh, I we, we were never really slow we started off um, I don't know started off with me by myself now I have an EF2 who's helping to um, free me up for like fillings and packing cord and and that stuff um, so I've, I've been able to grow our daily production because of an EF2. I now have two hygienists versus when I started out, I had zero. I was doing hygiene by myself for about, like, three months? Three months. Three months. And then we hired, I hired a hygienist. Um, and now what I really want is to really, really scale, scale back. And <laughs> Scale and scaling back are very different topics. Scale back. I want to scale simultaneously as me scaling back. Now, how do I get there? How do I get there? <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, I think one of the, the the things is you're looking at a practice and the, tr- the the growth that we've seen in Smile & Co. and I'm sure correlates, you know, it maybe in different time frames to, to other practices. But, you know, when if you have... I'm gonna these all the numbers that we're using are fake made up numbers. We're gonna say that up front. It's just easier to think when we say numbers, right? So I, I, I let's just, I just want to put that blanket statement out there so nobody's feeling like uh, we're we're giving real things. That it's just easier to talk when we're talking numbers, right? So if you're doing 50 new patients a month, uh, you can figure that every so often you're going to need to hire a hygienist, right? As long as you're able to reappoint those patients and put them onto a normal schedule. So if you're doing 50 new patients a month, um, that means uh, at six months, that's 300 new patients. Um, and so probably, uh, roughly every six months, you, or may, maybe a little bit more than that, you should be, you know, if you're keeping all those patients and you're continuing to grow at that pace, you need to be thinking about adding a hygienist to be able to help see those patients, right? And, um, you know, this is a conversation that Ashley and I've had many times because she's always been afraid of adding more people. And I'm like, your growth hasn't slowed. The only thing that, you know, you're, you're making it harder on yourself because your hygienists are just now booked out so far that you can't actually get people in for when they're supposed to see appointments. March. Um, March. Right. And so that's part, part of growing is knowing that if you are doing what you're, if you're wanting to build a general practice practice where patients come and they stay with you for their lifetime, as you're growing, you're going to need to have people to continue to see those patients for their reappointments, right? And so building a thriving hygiene program is necessary to be able to have that kind of practice. Um, you know, and, that we're, and, that, and we're going to talk about this kind of general I, um, practice like the the quote unquote normal way people do practices because uh, you know we brought up last time some people don't want that practice right they just want to you know see patients and do big cases and they don't want people to stay and they don't want to do hygiene checks and all that stuff right but that's that's part of building a, a general practice is that you know as you bring those people in you're going to have to have a place to keep them and then you know and then it's figuring out you know, for you, it's always going to be culture, right? Finding people that fit your culture, finding enough people that fit your culture, that have your work ethic, that live up to the the standards that you've set uh, to be able to join the team. And that's, I think, the part that we've always had trouble with because, and that's the part that for for you as a, as a leader and as the owner, I think has been really, really hard for you because you meet somebody you think that they might be the right person you finally opened up to be able to bring somebody onto the team 
whatever reason, it doesn't work out. And when it doesn't work out, you get more gun shy. And then it makes it harder to be able to keep growing. Right? Yes. <laughs> but so, you know, so I guess if you're looking at the, the idea that you want to do less clinical dentistry uh, and focus more on big cases and new patients, which I agree, I think are the two things that you love doing the most, uh, you really do need to figure out a way to get somebody else in, right? But not just a hygienist and an and EF2, um, which might be, may or may not be easier positions to hire for, but obviously you need another dentist that's going to be able to do some of the cases and see a lot of the patients that aren't going to fit into two days of doing, you know, smile design makeovers, whatever you want to call them, and seeing new patients. So everything else in between. So I, I know that I, I need to hire another doctor. I've been looking. I've been looking mostly um, silently. I just was hoping the universe would just read my thoughts. And I, you know, that doesn't work. Um, so finally I put it out there like, hey, I'm looking for a doctor. I have, um, I have somebody who is interested in only one day a week, possibly two days a week. But I don't know, like it, I'm looking for a very specific person and um, I don't know if that's going to work. Do I just hire that, hire her for the, in the meantime? I don't know. So, um, and I also know that I am in need of another hygienist, a third hygienist, but what that means if I do hire a third hygienist and if it is still me is that now I have to do even more exams and uh, according to Mark Costas, after a certain amount of periodic exams per month, you're, you have a diminishing law of returns. You, you have less, um, less case acceptance because you are rushing to get from patient to patient to patient and you no longer have that um, ability to sit down and thoroughly go over treatment plans and, um, and what that patient wants, like emotional dentistry. And that's the, emo that's the stuff that I want to do. I want to do emotional dentistry. I don't want to do class twos all day. Um, so, so that is the only reason why I haven't put it out that I need another hygienist. Um, currently, like my, like, so Judy, 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 I'm sure you're going to be listening to this. I tell Judy all the time, like, Judy, it's going to be easier for me to find another hygienist to train. And that way we can start getting these new patients in because we are pushing them out for months. And everyone knows that's like a cardinal sin. You're supposed to get new patients in, preferably within two days when they think about going to the dentist, you should be able to get them in. Um, no more than a week and we're pushing them out yes um, I think March is the next hygiene availability so I have a hygienist who is temping for us in January for one day a week um, just to help get those new patients in so they're basically loading my my schedule with new patient exams but there's no openings in hygiene for their profies and I don't know about you but I don't think patients like coming back twice to get an exam and a profi 
But I also, uh, on the flip side of things, I also know that patients don't necessarily want to spend two, two and a half hours at the dentist. So we're still very much learning what our flow, like what our sweet spot is. Um, and I told Judy about like, okay, let's let's start looking. Let's start looking for like a full-time hygienist. And she, she put her foot down. She says, no, I don't want you to do that because you're already stressed out about running from operatory to operatory. And you are basically losing the culture that I had set out to build. And what Judy means by that is when I first opened, I wanted it to be a very personalized experience like the four seasons and now I'm going to talk about service my whole thing was to meet every patient in my consult room before they're brought back into the operatory like I want to get to know them face to face at the table um, where they tell me about what happened at their last last dental experience what they are looking for in a provider what makes them smile what they want for their smile like those are the things that that I love to have conversations about not while a patient is sitting in my chair but just sitting at the table like my friends having a casual conversation and I haven't been able to do that in a year yeah I haven't been able to do that in a year so Judy since Judy knows knows what I want and she knows the culture because she's been there since day one she basically said we're not we're not sacrificing we're not we're not just trying to get patients in anymore like let's take a few steps back and figure out how to build exactly what we set out to at the beginning so thank you Judy for always reminding me what my what my north star is Um, and my north star has always been service service above all else um, so the conversation, so Judy and I are, are going to be meeting at my house on Monday to go over, um, certain things about the team. And we, we have a big uh, kickoff meeting is what we're calling it with the team members, um, on Friday and Saturday of next week, um, going over lots of like goal setting, like not just professionally, but personally, and just keeping each other accountable to achieve those goals because this is the start of a, a new decade and it really is now that now that we're not desperate for patients now that our our practice is booming like we we can take this opportunity to really hone in on on what exactly we want and and for me that means dropping insurances honestly dropping insurances I don't need 50 new patients a month I don't need 60 new patients a month I need quality new patients per month I want I like I like knowing that those patients are referred from our our existing patient base because that makes that makes discussing cases with them so much easier because there's already inherently that level of trust that was already built so um what are your thoughts Brian that was a lot of me talking yeah, I, I think, you know, those are, I mean, obviously having Judy to pull you back and make sure that you stay focused on what you have is great because, 
you don't listen to me when I ask you what you want and how to stay focused on what it is that you're trying to build. Um, but let's get a little bit more tactical for this for this idea of goal setting, right? And so, you know, obviously everybody is going to be at different parts of their practice and different parts of, of of building a business and have different things that they're focusing on. But let's, I'm going to make up some numbers uh, just so we have a frame of reference because you did bring up before, like, you know, so we'll start top line, right? Because that's what everybody always thinks about as 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 things to think about goals with. Um, obviously, once you go beyond top line, there's a lot more smaller goals that are easier to focus on that will lead you to attaining that big goal, right? But you you brought up like, okay, well, my first year, you know, we did we did pretty well for a startup in California, um, and I, you know, I was thinking of maybe 10, 20 percent uh, increase year over year. Like, where did that come from? Like, if someone if someone's you know in the startup process or not or just has a practice, right? They've been around for ten years and they're doing you know, a million dollars a year. Like what, what is like, how do you think about that idea of like, okay, 2019 was a great year. We did a million dollars. Now, you know, what are we thinking about for 2020? We want to grow. We want to grow. What, like, what is that? How do you, how do you, how did you come up with those numbers? Which I know, I know the answer to, but how to tell them. Wait, what is, what is the answer? How, what do you think the answer is? No, no, no. I, I, I'm asking you. Oh, um, where did I come up with that? Yeah. I, I, that number is based off of the the percentages that I hear from my mastermind group. So people think about For, 10, 10 to 20% of growth as a good year of growth. Yes. 10 to 20% year after year is a, a, a good... A, a good number to achieve uh, to aim for 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 a mature practice for a mature practice for startup practices obviously we're in a whole different category but i i honestly i don't know i don't know what what i'm supposed to be hitting and therefore um i think that's why it's hilarious because brian knows that i don't know how much i want to grow or like I'm just going to let Brian take the mic. <laughs> well, no, right? So you, after year one, let's use the number of $700,000, whatever, right? You did $700,000 and you're like, I'm going to grow 20% next year. I think that's ambitious. And I was like, based off of what? And you're like, it sounds like a good number, right? I mean, yeah. 20%, that's 140 grand. That means we're going to be 840 next year. That's a, that's a good practice. That is a good practice. That's a very successful practice. How how'd you get those numbers? Uh, I don't know. Twenty percent sounds like a lot of growth, and I think that's a good place to set the goal at. Um, and so, you know, top line growth numbers I think are challenging because unless you really understand the trajectory of your practice and where things are and how to influence little small factors. I think I think it's hard to focus on top line as 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 a goal. So what should my goal be then, Brian? What what do I mean you obviously you have all, He's very opinionated if if you can already tell. I grew so I did X amount my first year, we did 2X second year. So now that we're talking about goal setting for year three, what do you think I should set my goal at? Well, that's what I was saying. I, I mean, I think when you look at just top line, it's it's a number that's 
that's a little bit harder to really have hard and fast goals on, right? Like, yes, you can put numbers down, but I think that they're they're all going to be a little bit guessy isn't a word, but you know, like you're, I mean, you can make calculated assessments on what you think you're going to grow, but at the same time, I mean, especially for you, right? We've now they've heard me say this way too much. Like your goals shouldn't necessarily be top line revenue. Your goals should be movement towards the practice that you want to have in five years, right? So your biggest goal for this year from my perspective should be, okay, I did 15 smile makeovers last year. I want to do twice as many this year, right? Because that's the kind of dentistry that you want to do. Or it definitely should be, I'm going to find, I'm going to spend this year working hard at trying to build relationships to find somebody that can be an associate or a trial partner for smiling company, right? Like, and making concerted efforts in that direction because I think those are the tangible goals that aren't in the short term going to affect your top line well I mean obviously smile makeovers would affect your top line but they're those are the goals that are going to get you towards your longer term goal of what you actually want out of your practice uh I see okay so I'm I'm too focused on a number which doesn't necessarily mean any anything per se if I'm not headed towards building the practice that I want yeah yeah that's I think that's I think that's my opinion. And I love that Brian he he always forces me to look at everything from a different perspective, which is so nice because when you go to a lot of conferences or masterminds, it's always about where are you in that acceptable range? Where are you falling? Where what does your overhead look like? Where do your supplies look like? Um like are you spending X amount or less per month on lab bills? And and then I get so I, I I love I love my mastermind groups. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love hearing from all all of these amazing doctors from across the country. But I always come back thinking like why am I why is my collection percentage not ninety nine point nine percent where it should be? Like I'm always, I always get so laser focused now on the number and Brian always has to tell me, you know, like who cares about the numbers sometimes like, yes, the numbers are important, but at the end of the day, if you are hating your life and hating the dentistry that you were doing and feel stressed out all the time, like, is it even worth it? And, um, so I, I think that I have a lot to work on. Not, not so much the revenue. Like I don't, now, now I'm like rethinking my, my whole kickoff meeting for the team because it was going to be, well, let's see how, how much growth we can achieve for 2020. And you're absolutely right. Like it really shouldn't be about, about that per se it should be about am I moving the needle closer to scaling myself back from the practice yeah well and also I mean in the setting of your next new patient is availability is in March how can you really have a conversation about how to to grow the practice more you know what I mean like you could obviously 
each individually, right? Like the hygienists can work on their productivity. They can work on, on their uh, ability to be, uh, their efficiency, right? They, like there are small ways to be able, where, yes, they will lead to increases in top line revenue. Um, you know, everybody doing things a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, you know, scheduling more efficiently, doing all of these things, all of those small things will lead to t- a higher top line, you know, but I mean, I don't know. I think the perfect example, you brought up lab bills, right? Like if you compared your lab bill percentage to, you know, a practice that does no cosmetic dentistry, it's just not fair, right? Like how can you possibly have a percentage and be like, oh, I should be at, what, what's the percentage? 5%? Well, it's still going to be pretty proportional because my production is going to be up and my lab bills go up. I, but I don't know. I, I don't know the, all that stuff, uh, but just, you know, inherently I would say that I don't know that it, it's, it's in lockstep, right? I mean, if you're doing big cosmetic cases, which is what you love doing and what you want to do, I think just that generally speaking, your the, the amount that you spend at labs is going to be different than somebody who you know, does fillings all day long, right? I mean, like, that's, it's just what's going to happen. And that's, you know, there's no judgment on either one of those. Those are both ways of of doing dentistry and things that people really like doing. But they're going to be very, very different in what those categories on a P&L look like. So I think, I think this was a good episode. (laughs) How, How long have we been talking? I mean... We're, we're still in traffic. Uh, we, oh, we're at the 45-minute mark. So, <clears throat> this year, this coming year, 2020, I am um, really going to laser focus on taking more cosmetic courses. I have, um, think more specifically, I want um, to up my photography game because not only... Can, is it a way for you to showcase obviously the dentistry but it it really does put a microscope on your work and it makes you like look at things differently like oh that line angle could have been different or it, it really makes you become a better dentist looking at it from from a, a different lens pun intended um, so photography is my focus next year I'm going to AACD, and I'm also taking um, a COIS course. So, uh, if you want to start the COIS journey with me, I am taking it in May. May. Um, Hit me up. Hit me up if you want to take it with me. I think it would be so much fun to do the COIS curriculum together. Um, And yeah, so that... That is it for this this episode, guys. Um, let me know if if you are listening. Screenshot it, tag me. Plus, um, yeah, and let me know about the restaurants too, your favorites in San Francisco, and or if you have eaten at Gary Danko or Robin. Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, if you are um, not in our Facebook group, make sure to join. The making of a dental startup and there is one specifically for docs so um, you have to answer a few questions and um, once we verify that you are a licensed dentist we we promise to let you in and um, what's up what's up next we are going to voices of dentistry I am sounding congested as we speak I'm feeling kind of crappy from eating way too much food 
over the last two days. Um, okay, so back to Voices of Dentistry. We're hosting um, a startup dinner sponsored by the amazing Studio 88. And that is going to be on the Friday night of Voices of Dentistry. It's going to be amazing. Stay tuned for more details about that. And Brian, do you have anything you want to say? Um, we, we do have uh, some time next week. Uh, Ashley obviously is going to be working on some of her goal setting with her practice, um, but uh, I think uh, a Q&A uh, episode would actually be pretty interesting. Um, so if you guys have questions, uh, please uh, send them in, um, typed or audio, um, and maybe I can even convince her to do that uh, on a Facebook Live in the group, um, but I think that that would probably be a nice way to either, depending on what we do, it wrap up uh, 2019 or to kick off 2020. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Okay, and that that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so that, honestly, that's an awesome thing. Yeah, uh, hit, hit us up with your questions. Um, let's get tactical. Let's brainstorm together. Let's make 2020 the best year yet. All right, guys. Happy New Year. But I'm sure Brian and I will record the next time we are in the car together. <laughs> Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.